We are in the midst of a series. Uh, this is the next to last session today, so we'll wrap up next Sunday. The title of the series is The Real You, Finding Your Identity in Christ. Today in particular, we're going to focus on our new position, who we are in Christ. Before I get to these essential questions that have marked the series on identity for us, I want to tell you, uh, and I'm sure that this dates me a little bit, many eons ago, there was a television series called Candid Camera. All right. Can anybody, is anybody here will make me feel better by saying, I know what the... Oh, I feel better now. All right. I was really hesitant to share this. There was a candid camera episode. Those of you who are clueless about candid camera, it was basically a thing where they would, you know, someone would, would they, all this was being secretly filmed, and uh, they would do some prank or do something, and they would film the way people would react. The people around uh, wouldn't know that the camera was running. So this particular one episode had a gentleman who was, who was walking down the street and the cameras were running and it was a busy street, but he stopped and would start looking around on the ground like he was trying to find something. And they said, I mean, it didn't take but a matter of seconds. Walkers, passers-by, didn't know him, would stop. And it's funny how no one said, what, are you, what have you lost? They would just start looking and before you know it you had 15 20 people who were all running around looking for whatever this hidden item missing item was and then the guy who lost something just walked away <laughs> he just walks away no one noticed that he walked away but they kept on for i don't know how long everybody just still looking for something on the ground and i was thinking as i was preparing for this week and i thought isn't that all too common that's many times that's a good picture of how many people of how many people live today in our society they're searching they're looking they don't even know exactly what it is they're looking for but they're looking for something of meaning to life. But the truth of the matter is they will never find it and they will not know how to find it or even what is missing until they discover Jesus Christ. Today we are going to help you find something and I can tell you what it is. It's learning to put our eyes on what is the most important thing. Instead of looking down, searching for something that maybe you don't know what it is or know what it is you're missing, the Apostle Paul in the Scripture challenges us repeatedly to recognize who we really are. If you don't know who you are, you don't know where you will be going. We've established the fact that your future, your purpose, God's destiny and purpose for your life will never be realized until we get a full discovery of our identity. There are three plaguing questions that are kind of the big questions of life. And we've been wanting to review these and probe them and unpack them and answer them during this series. The first question is, who are you? Have you ever noticed that if you, if you walk up, someone walks up to you frequently, one of the first questions they'll say is, what do you do? Have you ever noticed that, that one of the first introductory questions that someone says when they're just getting acquainted is, what do you do? 
And I'm thinking, I'm, I do the same thing, all right? But I realize, what difference does it make what you do? Whether, like James, you're a plumber, or like Stuart, you're an architect, or whether you're like Kelly and you're a physical therapist, or whatever you are in this room, it really doesn't matter. What matters is who you are. Not what you do, but who you are. And I frequently wanted to stop people when they try to ask that question. I don't mind them asking the question. It's just, can we, can we talk about some other stuff first before we talk about what I do? Who are you? Who are you? That is the most important question. Identity also asks the question, what defines you? What makes you who you are? What is your identity? And that begs the question, what's important to you? What's valuable to you? How does God see us? That's where we must begin with these questions. How does God see us? And I've been contending and arguing that we must see ourselves through his lenses. We've established the fact that the word of God is the basis. It is the vet. It is the way that we can, are to look at ourselves and every one of our own self-perspectives must be weighed out and vetted through the grid of Scripture. Why? This is truth. This is God's truth. So if we want to find out what our identity is, we've got to go to God's Word. And so I, I, I found it interesting studying the Word of God that there's a couple of things that I always want to ask that people pay attention to. Uh, as we've already studied in our series, uh, the first week we talked about identity theft and how common it is for us to have our identities stolen. And then we talked about, uh, last week, we talked about our new identity and the importance of what that means to be what? In Christ. In Christ. And I hope that everybody grasps that in an indelible way and you'll never forget the significance of being in Christ. I found that there's some very key prepositions that will help us uh, as we look at what it means to be in Christ. And that are these kinds of prepositions to look for. As you're reading through the New Testament in particular, the epistles, look for these prepositions. In, by, through, and with. In, by, through, and with. All of those connected with the idea of in Him, in God, in Christ, by Him, through Him, all of those are suggestive of what? The benefits of our identity in Christ. What this new position is all about. And here's an introductory scripture. By the way, a little warning and disclaimer, we're going to give you a lot of scripture today. Are you ready for this? All right, lots of it. So if you're making notes, fine. If you haven't signed up to receive uh, regular notes, uh, check in with us uh, even at the... Uh, even at the uh, Welcome Center, we'll make sure that you get on that list and we'll send to you your, to your phone or to your email address notes every week before the, the message. We do that regularly. Look at the scripture in Ephesians 2, verse 6. I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I personalized it. The Apostle Paul states, you and me, as born-again Christians, are seated, seated with him. Do you see that? With him, where? In heavenly places. 
The problem is, is that most of us think most of the time about our earthly existence. And what we're not thinking about is our position in Christ. But here it's made very clear in Ephesians 2.6, the fact that every Christian is actually seated with Christ. Where is he seated today? At the right hand of Father God. He's in heavenly places. Would you think that that's a place of authority? Would you think that that suggests dominion? Would you think that that suggests a place that you would like to be seated and identified with? I hope so. Being seated with Christ suggests to us that we have taken up a new position. That is an overarching statement. But I want you to get it clearly in your mind. Here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to give to you. I know you think there's no way I'm going to give you these nine and get it in in time. I'm going to do my absolute best. But even if we have to go a few moments over, we had a wonderful worship experience this morning. We didn't want to cut it short. So I'm going to offer to you today nine truths that I simply call new identity truths. New identity truths. Because they have to do with you and me in Christ. You might say this morning, well, I I don't know that these really apply to me. Before we finish the service today, I'll give you an opportunity where they can apply to you simply by you choosing Jesus Christ. But these are nine new identity truths. I have selected, and I could have given you 20, all right? But I just had had to minimize this, all right? So I've chosen nine. And I want you to, to remember them. If, you, if you're taking notes, jot these down and jot at least one of the scriptures down with them because these identity truths, I've actually written them down, stated them. I'm going to share them with you in a faith declaration format. In other words, I'm going to share them with you in the form of a, of a faith declaration so that you, because it's good not just to know this. This isn't a, it's not good enough for you just to say, okay, I know that. I've got that check. No, you've got to use these. And next week's message, I'm going to teach you how to use them and how to move from your current condition to where you're acting, behaving, and thinking more like your position. All right, so we'll do that next week. But let's look at these nine truths together. Let's begin with a very general one. I am blessed. I'm going to make you cooperate, all right? You're going to have to save each of these with me because they're in the form of faith declaration, so you have to, all right? So I am blessed. Can everybody say that with me? I am blessed. You say, I don't know if I feel blessed all the time. Remember, we're talking today about what? Position. Not condition, but position. And you'll never change your condition until you realize your position, all right? So let's get our position straight. Number one, I am blessed. The scripture tells us in Ephesians 1.3 that praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with a few. Oh, I'm sorry. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who is Paul writing to? The church at Ephesus, he's speaking to Christians. He's saying to every one of us who identify with Jesus Christ, you are blessed. Blessed. Ariano said this morning, we're we're blessed to be a blessing. We are by position blessed. We're also blessed in so many abundant ways. The psalmist tells us in in the well-known shepherd psalm, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that depict? 
It depicts a person who's in walk with God. They're walking with needs that are satisfied and met, right? Because they're blessed because of the relationship with Jehovah God as their shepherd. As Christians, we are blessed. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, a well-quoted scripture, but still one that describes this blessed position. And it simply says this, And my God, Paul tells us, my God will meet all your needs. Everybody say needs. Notice it doesn't say greeds. I just want to point that out. Notice, don't be confused here. God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Just a quick, a quick sidebar point. Notice it doesn't say according to the index. It doesn't say according to the current inflationary or recessionary conditions of our society, does it? It's something much greater, deeper than that. Your new position in Christ is blessed, and it includes even your needs. Physical, financial, that's the context of Philippians 4, being met in fullness. Isn't that good news? Everybody say it with me once more. I am blessed. Number two, I am a child of God. Boy, you got that in just singing worship this morning, right? I don't need to say much about this, Jeremy. You covered it well. The Scripture tells us so clearly that when we are born again, we are adopted as his children. But as many as received him, John tells us in John chapter 1, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Do you see the positional language there? He gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Now, sometimes I get a little bit disturbed when I hear in our secular society today, we hear a lot of sometimes just kind of talk and, and people talking, even sometimes stupid Christians say these things, something like this. Well, they're just, everyone's a child of God. We're just all children of God. No, we're not all children of God. We are all created by God. But actually, Jesus ruffled the religious feathers by saying this. He said, you, have you read that? You are what? Children of who? The devil. Oh, that wouldn't go over well today, would it? You are children of the devil. If you do not know Jesus Christ personally, you cannot call God, you cannot call him your personal father. He's your creator, but he's not your father until you have been adopted as a child of God, and that only happens through new birth. I feel much better now, really, I really do. Galatians 3.26 tells us about this adoption. It says, for you are all children of God. How? By faith. By faith. In Christ Jesus. Can everybody say it one more time? I am a child of God. What a beautiful benefit and positional truth that is to identify with. Number three, I am in right standing with God. Or we might use the word, and the reason I didn't is because many people don't understand it, I am righteous. I am in right standing with God. Say it with me. I am in right standing with God. Now, it's important that you understand that there's different kinds of righteousness in the Bible. There is a righteousness that speaks of how you're living today, speaks of your experiential righteousness. 
But the focus of these scriptures here don't have to do with whether you're living a righteous life today. That's another issue and one that we do need to pay attention to. But today we're talking about position. And the other kind of righteousness is one that you cannot earn, you cannot pay for, but it is a right standing that comes by virtue of you being in Christ. When you choose Christ, you are made righteous. It means that you have been justified. Romans chapter 5, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. That's actually Galatians 2. But the scripture in Galatians 5 also speaks to this fact of what? Being in right standing. Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean? These words sometimes we get, we throw them around, we don't even understand. What does it mean to be justified? Hmm? The word justify is a legal term, and it simply means to be declared by one who in authority, who is God, the eternal judge, right? To be declared innocent, righteous, in right standing. God declared Jim in right standing. When he accepted Jesus Christ, there was a legal declaration made over Jim and every one of us who claimed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that declaration said this, you from this moment on are in right standing with God. Hallelujah. I'm in right standing. What does that include? It includes all kinds of stuff. It means I am justified. Sometimes we use the word justified. We say it means just as if I'd... Have you ever heard that? Justify means just as if I'd never sinned. It does mean that. But listen to me. Don't sell yourself short. It's not just being without just as if you had never sinned in God's eyes. But in addition to that, the righteousness of God is imputed to you. You not only are just as if you never sinned, you are now made worthy through Jesus Christ. And the scripture affirms this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him, how did he get to be true? Because he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You notice the preposition at the end again? In him. Not because of what you've done. It's not because of your pedigree or how good looking you are today. It's because you're in Christ that makes you in right standing. Just, worthy, righteous, right standing with God. I love the phrase in Ephesians 1.6 where it says we have been accepted. In, see there, say it again, in the beloved. I'm worthy. So next time the devil beats you up, next time you feel really unworthy, would you just please respond with some of this truth? So wait a minute, wait a minute. Devil, you are the accuser of the brethren, and I have been made worthy by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and I am in right standing with God. Hallelujah. Say it one more time. I am in right standing with God. Number four. I know these are basic to some of you, but man, I was even preparing my notes this week, and I said, man, I'm feeling edified. I'm feeling better about this because I've known this stuff, but it's just good to get it, could review it again, amen? Number four, I am an overcomer. Say it with me. I am an overcomer. Now, I know some of you are saying, man, I don't know. I definitely don't feel that one. But see, this really doesn't have anything to do with feeling. These are truths. These are new identity truths. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says this, 
For whatever is born of God. Now let's just stop there. For whatever is born of God. If you are a believer, that includes you. You are born of God. So what is it going to say? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, not meaning the planet, but the cosmos, this world system. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I overcome this world because it stinks. And it doesn't look good right now, all right? And and as much as we try to change it and and bring a Christ-like influence, let me just tell you, I'm glad that I'm an overcomer because I'm born of God. Not because of how much money I make, not because of the job that I have, not because of your family name, but because you're born of God. Look at other scriptures that support the idea of you being an overcomer. In Romans chapter 8, right after it talks about the fact that love can't separate us, it goes on to say this in the 37th verse. You all know the scripture well, right? It says, yet in all these things we are what? More than conquerors. Not just conquerors. Did you get that? More than conquerors through him. Through him. Through him. I hate to be grammatically technical, but it's important that you not miss how we get these benefits through him who loved us oh praise god and romans affirms in the 17th verse of romans 5 for if by the trespass of this one man death reigned through that one man who was the one man no before we get to jesus who was that adam i'll say it again james stand up where's my adam I'm sorry, brother. You thought that you had, you had been forgiven this week. Remember, James is Adam. Or sit down, James. Thank you. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, Adam, how much more were those who received God's abundant provision and grace of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? It says that we're to do what in life? Reign. That's a a ruling word. That's a royal word. It's a dominion word. It means that we're to walk as overcomers through this life. The truth of the matter is that many of us, including moi, that we have lived too much of our lives being overcome rather than living and acting like overcomers. Anybody agree with me? Let me just say this to you before I continue and give you the rest of these. And we're doing good on time, so just chill. Don't worry about it. I was raised in a strong, Bible-believing, good, conservative, evangelical home. I'm so thankful for my biblical roots. But I grew up with an insecurity complex, as I have found, frankly, most people do. Rarely ever do you find someone that doesn't struggle with some kind of identity issues. Unfortunately, it's a parenting issue, it's a family issue, it's a culture issue, it's environment. There's all kinds of reasons. But I grew up, even, even, even as a born-again Christian, came to Christ when I was five. Had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that wrecked me when I was 17. And I still struggled for years with identity questions. And I lived most of my life comparing myself to someone else and, and walking around feeling like I had to live up to standards that other people set for me. 
And it wasn't that the standards weren't helpful or great goals. It's just that when your identity is tied to those standards, you feel awful about yourself when you don't meet them. Many of us have been raised feeling with those. Remember we talked about the T-shirts that we wear? Stupid. Dummy. Loser. Reject. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When we're raised with those, I wore some of those T-shirts for a long time. And only until I got, and honestly, I had these kinds of truths over about a two to three year period that I just meditated on, reflected on, and spoke and articulated with my own mouth by faith on a daily basis for a few years. It took that to renew my mind to the fact that I went, wait a minute, this is the stuff that's true about me. It's these truths that's true. I'm choosing to identify with what God says about me, and he sees me this way. So I'm just saying to you, this is real. This isn't just theoretical. And I'm telling you, as someone who's had to walk through these things, and still to this day, I get beat up, and I have to go, okay, go back to my identity. I go back. I come back to some of these same truths, and, and I'm, I'm saying things like, I know today, I've, this week I have felt pretty overcome, but I know that the Bible says that I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer because I'm born of God. Are y'all hearing me today? All right, let's look at the next one, number five. We're not only overcomers, but number five, we are his workmanship. I am God's workmanship. Now, we focused on this verse before, so I'm not going to spend much time there. But just to point out to you, it's very clear that we have been created by God and we are his product. We are his craftsmanship. We are his masterpiece. And I really just want to suggest suggest you apply this scripture from Ephesians 2.10 in two ways. First of all, we're God's masterpiece because we're created, created by him. Doesn't the scripture say we're fearfully and wonderfully made? Speaking of creation, right? But not only are we his, his masterpiece because of how he's created us. I mean, we could just look at how the human body operates and functions and go, wow. Right? That's incredible workmanship. But to add to that, when we're recreated at new birth, when we're recreated and made new people through Jesus and gained this new identity, now it ratchets up the masterpiece to its highest level. You are God's workmanship. Can you say it with me? I am God's workmanship. Let's look at the next one. Number six. I am redeemed and free. Forgive me for these slides being so wordy today, but I was just trying to cram a bunch of scripture in here for you. I am redeemed and free. Galatians tells us this. I'll explain the word to you in a second. Galatians chapter 3 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Having become a curse for us. Under the old covenant, we live under a curse. The curse of sin, there's all different kinds of curses. But we live under a curse. Did you know you were born under a curse? Okay? There's only one way to get out from under that curse. And that's for someone else to take it for you. And Jesus took the curse for us 
so that today we don't have to walk around living with the mindset of saying, I'm cursed, I'm cursed. All the bad stuff that Deuteronomy 28 list is the curse. I'm living in all of them. No, you can change the way you think and act, and you can begin to declare, I am redeemed. The word redeemed means to purchase back from. You have been purchased by Jesus, what he did for you. You've been redeemed, bought out from that slavery, that curse, and now you can confess and say accurately, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. 1 Peter chapter 1 affirms the fact that we've been redeemed from sin. Listen to the verse. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but you were redeemed by what? Verse 19, by the precious blood of Christ. Wow. I have been bought. That was the redemption price. To redeem, there has to be a transaction. To buy a slave out of slavery has to be a transaction. When the transaction took place, the currency of the transaction, are you listening? The currency of the transaction was his blood. It bought you. That's the price. This is an extreme, hefty price, wasn't it? A costly price. But now that it's already been paid, why don't we enjoy the benefits of it? I have been redeemed. From the curse, I've been redeemed from sin. And not only that, I'm delivered. First, in Colossians first chapter, verses 13 and 14, it says this, I have been transferred. I'm personalizing it. Transferred from the kingdom of darkness. That's over here, kingdom of darkness, Adam's kingdom. Okay, Kingdom of darkness, I've been moved over to the new kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. Do you see the contrast? Old kingdom, kingdoms always suggest authority, dominion. Every kingdom has a king. Can't have a kingdom without a king. The king of this is Satan. Adam got it rolling. But the devil rules over the kingdom of darkness. Do you think that kingdom still exists today? Yes, it does. And there are many people who are still living under that dominion, living under that. But when we get saved, when Christ comes into our life, something dramatic happens. It's like, how many of you have been transferred on a job or in the military? You've been transferred. You had to go through that kind of, it's a big deal, isn't it? Listen, nothing compared to this transfer. At new birth, you were transferred. Out from under that king. Out from under that darkness. No longer has any legal claim to you. And now you're put under the reign and the authority of the king, King Jesus. And now you're in the kingdom of his dear son. I'm delivered. Can you just say, say, I'm delivered? Wow, I am set free. The scripture says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 2. Yes, freedom and redemption is a part of our new identity. Everybody say the, the full one with me. I am redeemed and free. All right, a couple more left. Number seven, I am healed. I am healed. 1 Peter chapter 2, 24. A lot of people would argue that this speaks about only spiritual healing. I would argue to you that it speaks of physical healing, and I don't have time to make a theological case today for that. 
But this is also repeated in Matthew 8, 17, and that was spoken of in reference to Isaiah chapter 53, which is a prophetic scripture speaking about what Jesus would do on the cross. And it speaks to the fact that by his stripes, yes, sin was paid for at the cross, but I contend and argue that also your sicknesses were How can we claim healing today? How can we invite Jesus to heal us? Because of this scripture. Look at it carefully. Who himself bore our sins in his own body uh, on the tree so that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And then he adds, by whose stripes we were healed. Jesus healed the sick. It's a significant part. Some would argue literally one-third of his earthly ministry was healing the sick. And the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday. If he was a healer then, he's a healer today. He has made available to us now healing. And you can add this to your identity list that We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. It ought to propel us to use faith more to receive healing when we're sick. Some of us are so blessed with a country of health care and benefits and doctors and, and technology and science advancements that we just immediately, the first thought is what? Call, call the doctor, get a checkup. Can I just, I, I don't misunderstand me. I'm not against that. May I just make a suggestion? Call Dr. Jesus first. I know he may not be listed on your health care plan, but just call Dr. Jesus first and use Matthew 8, 17 or 1 Peter 2, 24 and say, Lord, you said that you provided healing for me and today I want to receive it by faith. Number eight, I am made strong. Can you say it with me? I am made strong. Strong. All of you know this verse well. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. How? How in the world is that possible? Because what? He strengthens me. Anybody here today need strength? Anybody here say, I'm feeling a little weak? I really need some strength? I can. Paul declares. Do you think Paul always felt strong? Come on. Go read the life of the apostle Paul. Struggles. Beaten all kind of persecutions, and yet he had the audacity to affirm his position in Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Another version says, who strengthens me from the inner man. We're in Christ, but Christ is also in you. I am made strong. Last one, number nine. I am a new creation. We've touched on this in prior weeks, but we'll touch on it just briefly. I am a new creation. Say it with me. I am a new creation. 1 Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is what? In Christ, he is a new creation. We are a new creation, new in quality, new in kind. I've shared with you nine identity truths, all of which are truths about you if Jesus Christ 
is your Lord and Savior. This morning, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to do two things. One, next week, it's really important, even if, if for some reason you can't be with us next Sunday morning, please go to the media section of our website and you'll be able to at least listen to the audio version of it because I want to talk to you about how to move from a condition that looks distant from these. Moving from condition to position. Okay? And the other thing I would ask that you do is today, right now, I want you to stand with me. I want you to make a decision. Would you please stand? I want you to decide that what God says about you is true. That what God says is true. Not only is His Word true, but what He says about you is true. So I'm going to challenge you today to affirm that with me. If you're here today, and if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. How would you want to miss out on all of those perks? How, why in the world would anyone want to miss out on that? It's a free gift of salvation. You don't have to earn it. You simply have to receive it by faith and say, Jesus, I'm turning away from my life and I'm turning to follow after you. Would you close your eyes with me? Is there possibly one in this room this morning as the prayer workers come and are available at the front? Is there possibly someone here this morning who could say, Pastor Bobby, I, I hear what you're saying. It all sounds awfully attractive, but I'm not sure where I stand with Jesus. I'd like to know for certain you today that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. If you're here this morning and you're not sure, but you'd like to be, would you just raise your hand? I'm just going to pray for you. Not make a spectacle of you, but I want to pray. Is there anyone here that's uncertain and unsure today where you stand with Jesus Christ? Is there anyone at all? I'll give you just a moment. I don't see a hand. I pray that that means that everybody here knows that they're a child of God. And so I want to lead you in a declaration. Would you please say this with me? Everyone, please say this with me today. I declare by faith I belong to Jesus. I declare these identities belong to me. I am born of God. I'm a child of God. I am redeemed and free. I'm a new creation. I am blessed. And I'm in right standing with God. I'm an overcomer. I am your workmanship. Because your word says so. I am what you say I am. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much that we can discover and find new identity. And we can take off these t-shirts that we've been wearing so long then identify with all the other things of life. And Lord, we can wear the new clothes of the new man in Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord, to...
begin to think and act like our new identity. We pray all of this and that the Holy Spirit, you would be refreshing and reminding us all this week of these important truths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.